Welcome back in to Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate everybody listening in. It's been a good show. Did I just see what no, I think did, I saw? Did you, no, did you hear what Dalton said? I didn't hear what he said. I saw it. Well, I have news gyration. for you, D- David Nuno, because you're the host of this show. Been, been informed that it's not your show, it's not Billy's show, it's Dalton's show. Dalton still works on the show? I Because I see Sam here all the time. I don't see Dalton anymore. I guess. He doesn't shine, shine shoes no more. I cannot believe that we addressed what Dalton said and w- not what Dalton did right in your face. What? Well, I saw him dancing. Which that was, was not dancing. Was the he gave you the degeneration X. Yeah. Well, you know what? I have Mike Henry on my side, is. the world's strongest man here in a few minutes. Well, I'm telling you, I, I googled him like I did Joni Taylor. We're going to become good friends by the end of it. Well, y'all going to talk go. about <laughs> fasting and overhead press? Well, that's actually he does like, not fast. Right. I actually may have more in common with him than you. I don't fast either, by the way. Okay, but I'm talking about you're like into fitness. He's about g- grabbing giant amounts of weight and throwing it around. Yeah, yeah, he is. I so I did some research on him. Same. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good, Richard. I'm gonna re- ask him about it. Shelley, you guys know Shelly Smith from ESPN, right? Yeah. She wrote an article about him for Sports Illustrated in 1992, before he was anything, before he went to the Olympics. You know where he's from? Before I was from Silsby. 409. 409. What, I said before I was born. Yeah, and talking about how he was the world's strongest man back then in 1992, before he was a wrestling superstar, before he went to the Olympics. Like, so we're gonna we're gonna get. How into, much do you weigh? 160 pounds. Where? What limb on Mark Henry's body weighs 160 pounds? Forearm. Forearm. Yeah. Right probably. arm. Hey, probably. <laughs> how tall are you? Five nine. Five eight. Five eight. So. Two and a half years ago, I was about 165. I was a, I was a, I was a Richard. Oh, so, so there's, there's hope. hope. Yeah. You can grow a, a <laughs> can salt and pepper down. beard, and you can be a, in the Tough Mudder, and you'll get a tan, and you'll be just like Poppy. I just need to learn how to speak a second language. <laughs> well, he did He did call me last night and call me Poppy. Well, I do know I do know a little bit of a second language. All right, so uh, let's get the show back on the rails. Shalom. <laughs> Here, uh, if you want to text the show and ask some baseball questions, you can do that on the AMB text line, 979-693-1150. You can call us on the BCS iHotline. All right, guys, so let's talk about where we are with things. Um, how are we feeling about what we've seen baseball-wise, I'll say since the University of Houston game? A step in the right direction, uh, but it's just one step in the right direction. That sense of competitiveness we talked about all week, the level of toughness that they played with, that can be your identity. That can be your rallying point. That can be what sets you off. But we've got to see it more. I thought, at least in the batter's box, competitively on Tuesday night against Rice, it was fantastic. And they had one bad inning, right? They had one bad inning on the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of skews the overall game numbers, but you have, I mean you can't take that inning away. Rice scored right. a, a bad Rice team scored six runs on your bullpen, and I know that it was things got crazy because of the Christian Curtis injury, but they're looking for answers in the bullpen, and there aren't guys consistently providing them with that. But it's a step in the right direction from an overall toughness and how we're going to play the game standpoint, and this is our identity offensively going forward. I think Bronny hit it at the nail right in the head. It, it gives you reason to be optimistic about what this team could potentially do against the schedule in this gauntlet of a conference. They went on the road. They beat a tough team in a tough environment. And it wasn't pretty. It was ugly. Four and a half, five hour games, but they got it done. And that 
I mean, that's got to get you, got to get the momentum rolling in the right direction and have you feeling pretty good. And hopefully we can look back in a few weeks and say that that was the turning point. But it was, it's not a turning point yet. We're also learning more and more about LSU every day. I mean, they lost yeah. uh, to Louisiana Tech at home in extra innings in the midweek. That's their second loss this year to Louisiana Tech. Like, LSU's got big problems, and I think me and Scotty said that before the season started, that we weren't sold on LSU overall as a team. They've got pitching problems. We know they're brutally bad on defense. They're last in the conference. Um, so, again, there's reason for optimism, as Richard said, uh, but we're still kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Like, is this going to be a consistent approach that this club's going to bring to the ballpark day in and day out? If it is, then they'll they'll win a lot of SEC series. Scott Linden. Glenn Denham, excuse me, with us here. Hey, Scott, uh, what jumps out at you and some of the thoughts you've heard here from uh, Bronny and Zane? I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, I didn't know where they were going to go with Christian Curtis, if it was going to be his bullpen day, and then they were going to still uh, use him during the midweek. Um, you know, they were maybe they were building toward, toward a position where they were going to have a different starter on, on your Tuesday nights. Um, they've got to find one right now. Uh, they don't know when Christian Curtis is going to pitch again, and then they're not going to risk anything uh, for Christian Curtis. But I think that not only right now the matrix in scheduling is you have an opportunity against some teams in the SEC, and you have some opportunities against teams that are having great seasons in state to really point yourself in the right direction. We talk about the the, the line between, hey, we're building this program and we're winning now. You've got a month right now where you're going to build the program and you can win now, but you've got to go through some teams in your in your non-conference that that can play like their SEC level teams right now. And I think that's a that's a a big spot is, you know, next week who they're going to hand the ball to on a Tuesday night. I don't care if it was Texas State first and Texas second or or however it worked out. This is an important time of the year because I think that they have the ability to get out there offensively all of a sudden and create problems for their opponent, whether it's a talented but underachieving uh, LSU staff, uh, whether it's a, a staff this weekend at Auburn that's had more success but gave up a ton of runs last weekend. They've got an opportunity all of a sudden offensively to put some pressure out there, and that kind of changes the dynamic of what this team can be. Brian, one of the things that Schloss keeps bringing up, and you've brought it up on this show, is competitive spirit, right? He's thrown that around a lot. So did we not see enough of that early, or he wants to instill, this is how we need to attack every at-bat, every pitch, everything? Yeah, it takes a while to change culture, and, and it takes a while even for 18- to 22-year-olds to grasp the full message of what's being told to them and how it, it needs to be executed until you, like, I just think that, Perhaps going on the road, your first true road series in Baton Rouge, hostile territory where all you've got is your teammates and your and your coaching staff. It built that bond, that togetherness that the dugout started feeding it on itself. And I think that you know early on in the LSU series, Coach Schlossling was said you could feel the vibe change in the dugout. Look, I don't know if this matters in college baseball, but I thought they had a bad dugout for the, about three or the four weeks that I've watched them in the season. And what I mean by that is in terms of interaction in the dugout, uh, you know, guys that aren't playing their involvement in the game. Like you, 
You all have a role to play in the dugout. There's no different than any other team setting. Like just because you're not playing, how can I help my team win even though I'm on the bench? I thought they had a bad dugout. The dugout changing and Schloss saying that something changed in the dugout on Friday night leads me to believe that my hypothesis there was probably right, and he agreed with it. But all it takes is for somebody to see it done and go, okay, that's what he wants. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I do my part. I'm gonna hold myself accountable. And then the next guy holds himself accountable, and it just kind of starts passing itself down the line, and. That can be your identity. It absolutely, 1,000% can be your identity. We'll see if this team uh, can latch onto that going forward. But, you know, it, it's all exemplified in Austin Boast. It's a guy who came back and their new coaching staff, sees things aren't going well. His season's probably not going as well offensively as he would like. Battled injuries through the entirety of the offseason and says, Coach, I... I can play second. Let me try to play second. Let's work at it, and let me see if I can get out there and help this team and help line up be a little bit longer so you can get all the guys that you need to, all the bats that you need to in this one through nine order. It's so selfless, man, because Austin Boast, this is a money year for him. He, he could go and get drafted as an outfielder, as a hitter, and he's going to sacrifice a little bit of himself and, and what he's comfortable with for the identity, to help the identity of the team and help the team overall success. It's a pretty, if this A&M baseball team, if LSU, that weekend in Baton Rouge, is a turning point, if this team goes on and they make the postseason, you can point to the selfless act of Austin Boast as a huge role, a huge uh, piece to that puzzle, just trying to keep the, the boat above water until Trevor Werner comes back. Richard, yesterday on his show, the coach's show, he said the best thing that can be said about our offense is that Austin Bose played a good second base. If he doesn't play a good second base, he's not going to be out there. Um, and, and that just goes to what Bronny was talking about. He needs to be selfless, and he's, he's, he's taking advantage of it. And he was serviceable defensively at second base. He's never played there before. Right. right. He, Bronny, correct me if I'm wrong, coming up was a corner infielder yeah. and then played the outfield the first couple of years of A&M. He's never played there, and yes, I know it's not fun to watch him try to turn double plays. That's okay. Double plays aren't easy to begin with. He's not played there. He hasn't practiced there. He's working on it now, I'm sure, but he's playing good enough defensively, and his bat is coming around, and he's one of the better hitters on this team, and he's starting to emerge as one of the guys, along with Jack Moss and Troy Clanch. And by playing him at second base, it allows you to put Ryan Targotch at third base, who had a fantastic weekend last week. And then Logan Britt's continuing to emerge. Dylan Rock's continuing to emerge. Austin Bose has turned into an X-factor that I did not I did not expect to see him take on this role. Real quick before we get off of Bose, and I'll let you go, Scotty. Um it should be said that that it doesn't surprise me out of that kid in that family. I mean, if you look, if you know his younger brother story, Blake, who appeared in two SEC West football games against Alabama and Auburn, who would have thought that as a freshman walk-on that turned down scholarship offers to small schools, mid-majors, to come walk on at A&M? Like, if, if you know that family, the mom and the dad and just the kind of people they are, none of this stuff surprises you. But it's still... It needs to be acknowledged, the, the selfless act of saying, look, I'm going to put my what I want for me aside here, and I, if I feel like I can help this team doing something I haven't done in a while, then I'm going to go do it. Scotty? Well, and Troy Clunch did the same thing when he, when he went to play third base the other day. 
you have guys when your leaders lead like that, when they're the ones pulling on the rope and pulling young guys along, they're the ones that are saying to Ty Hodge and Austin Straitner, hey, we're going we're gonna to get you better. I'm going to do what it takes so that when the next time you're out there, you're comfortable in the batter's box. It, it, and I thought that Coach Schlossnagel last night made emphasis on the fact that this has nothing to do with young guys. This is getting giving young guys the opportunity to grow up. He says, I want to go back and look at freshmen at bats, you know, since A&M has been in the SEC, and I want to see how many guys have more than 50 or 60 at bats in an SEC game that are freshmen. We got some great freshman guys. Bregman and them are going to skewer the number, but the majority of them are going to be on the low end. So you have to have your upperclassmen lead, and you have guys that are doing that by, like you said, Ryan, putting themselves behind their their individual uh, you know work and what they want to do as a draft guy behind what the team is. And when you get multiple guys doing that, it certainly helps you. I thought a key play last week that nobody's talked about is is uh you know Jack Moss on a rundown instead of trying to make a long throw around the guy busting his his tail to run towards first base to make it an easier throw to help out his team. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Hey, there's little things they got to do rundowns and plays like that defensively that they can get better at for a guy just to run as hard as he can on a play that turns into an out but nobody's really watching what happened at the beginning of that rundown. That's guys on this team selling out, and I think that's what I saw, uh, you know, in the dugout and on the field in Baton Rouge was this team was coming together, and that's what they needed at a key time. I also think, too, when you go out and watch them practice even now, this team is not running from their mistakes. Like They're working on stuff. Jack Moss is out there getting extra ground balls, extra throws from different angles, uh, his catch and throw stuff, trying to improve his game. I know for a fact they're down there with Michael Early working on stuff daily. So it's not like they're just going through the motions and letting this happen and hoping and wishing that it gets better. Like this, this coaching staff isn't doing it. Every time we have Coach Schlossnagel on the radio, Richard, when you interview him post game, he's not pulling any punches. No, he's going to address the issues and he's going to have a backbone and a spine about it and say it's my job to fix it. And so that level of accountability at the top i think trickles down to the kids absolutely all right we'll continue with that here in a moment right now i want to talk heritage films chance mclean is my buddy yourheritagefilm.com is the website you got to go check it out uh, to find a documentary about your family about your dad about your uncle whoever's important in your life or maybe it's about yourself right uh why not give the gift to your family of sharing your story that can be told for generation after generation right you'll capture it on video and it's going to be done in a netflix style documentary right i'm telling you Guys, you're going to love what Chance McClain does. He's a very, uh, not only intelligent guy, but he's creative, um, and he knows how to get to the root of the story. You, you think you know the story, right? But then you try to tell your parents' story over and over, and you miss a lot of the details. Chance is amazing at capturing that story and putting it on film and the, the kind of stories that you're going to be able to share with your grandkids and their grandkids and whatnot. Check out the website, yourheritagefilm.com. YourHeritageFilm.com, the phone number for Chance and Heritage Films, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. All right, we are Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is the uh, Baseball Roundtable. You guys used to call it the Baseball Bunch. What was it called before? Diamond Talk. Diamond Talk. Diamond Talk. Diamond Talk. We're just talking some baseball, guys. Uh, Scott, we're going to start off with you, the injury situation of Christian Curtis. Um how worried are you about it, and what do they do moving forward? I, 
you got to come up with you got to come up with another starter. Short term, you got to come up with another starter immediately. Uh, Long term, and it's what I wrote about this week is you have got to get six innings out of your your starters. And and Coach Law said that last night on his radio show. I've got to get innings out of my starters. It's in them. It, it means that the, you know they've got to trust them to pitch out of some jams. Um, you know uh, Auburn is an offensive built baseball team. There's going to be some some innings that 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 are crooked numbers against them. But I think that you know you've been you put yourself in a position. Your plan a week ago was you know going to involve Christian Curtis somehow on the weekend. I really think it was. But now you, that's not part of your plan. So turn to these guys, give them the opportunity, and get 18 innings or more out of your starting pitching this weekend. I, that's the number. 18 is the number. Well, going forward, somebody that hasn't thrown many baseballs is going to have to throw more baseballs. I, just, I don't see how you manage it without Christian Curtis. The way it was going pretty good. Like you're set with your starter, you're set with your midweek guy. I know they were going to try to have a plan to work Christian into the, the weekends. Now you don't have that plan. So I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know who it's going to come from. But somebody that's throwing sparingly now is going to throw more. It just There's no way around it. I don't know. Like They won't do this. They will not do this. This is not happening. But Trevor Werner can pitch. Why not? Can. If Trevor Werner was healthy and everything was going on, it might be outside the box like that. But there's a guy that you 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 don't you well, know. Oh yeah, you're you're in a position where yes, those conversations are going on. Um, I they've done a they have done a great job to to get Xavier Lovett and uh, Awesome uh, Majors in the right direction. They have coached those guys up since the last time they were on the field. And they actually had to pitch in a leverage situation against Rice in a game that's dragging on. You've got to do that. Because, you know, Coach said the other day, I didn't even bring Polish, and I almost left Muminafi. Because it was like, if they're not here, they're not going to pitch. That's the only way I can make sure I don't pitch these guys is to not have them here. All hands are on deck, um, you know, for this this weekend and on Tuesday, it's going to be how do you not have all guys on deck? And and I, I, I don't even know if they can pitch a bullpen game on next week and midweek. Logan Britt has dabbled. Yes. So there was another position player that dabbled last year. Let's just tell Austin Bose, don't go volunteer to pitch. What, if you get anybody else hurt, what are you going to do in the lineup? You have yeah, to, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it was watching, you know, Austin Boast, uh, Troy Clanch, you know, slide into a wall at LSU, and you're like, you can't lose your catcher now. You, I mean, you got guys that are that are giving everything they got. Don't go, don't go get hurt. You brought up Trevor Warner a moment ago. Is that a conversation that could happen? You think? No, I just said it's not happening. Okay, but he can't. Like you're searching for answers, and I think Scotty's brought up a good point. It's like. If he had been healthy all year and he's not had back-to-back injuries and, and one injury that's kept him out a, a good while, then maybe you say, what are you comfortable with? And if he says, I I'm, I'm, like what I'm doing, then you leave him, especially if he's having weekends like he had in the opening weekend. But I'm just spitballing stuff that yeah. I'm sure 
They've got a giant whiteboard over there across the street, and they're going, okay, how do we do it? And this is all stuff that's being talked about. But also, say say it's Raleigh Hector next week, an Aggie guy, love the opportunity to go against the Longhorns. You can also hand the ball to somebody, and let's use a big word as well, the epiphany. It, it all comes together, the synergy, whatever it is. I'm at Texas A&M, and I'm playing the Longhorns, and you have a guy emerge. That happens as well because it's happened the other way. You've had, you've had guys emerge that, that are pitching against the Aggies before. It could certainly happen. That's a lot to hope for going yes. into one of the best teams in the country. C- can you tinker with But your... look, they, they got it. Look, they need to win two out of three at home yes. this weekend. Yes. Figure out Texas whenever you get to next Tuesday. But you, this is an Auburn team that, you can, that can be had at home. I guarantee you that's exactly the way that Jim Schlossnagel's thinking. He's not looking at video or looking ahead to the Texas Longhorns. No, he's looking, he's, looking he's looking at Friday. He's looking at Auburn Tigers he's looking tonight. At tonight. That's exactly. all he's looking How do you at. get Sonny Deshera out? That's probably one of the key things that they're talking about over the course of the weekend. There's some uh, – the Howell kid is a really good player at Auburn. Sonny Deshera is built more like me. Um, he's got how many home runs? Poor he's kid. Hit, he's, he's hit, built like you. He's uh, – Got, he's hitting like 480. Something. Well, he was hitting 280 last year, and he's hitting 480, go, and he's starting to go into SEC play. This guy's getting his opportunity to play at Auburn and has exploded. 480 as in closer to 500, not closer to 400? That's, I haven't seen those numbers. That's crazy. No, yeah. it, his numbers are wild, dude. That's this is a kid that was at Sanford last year. He's hitting yeah, 471. He's got seven home runs, but he doesn't lead them in RBIs, Okay. He's got he's second in RBI behind Ryan Dahl, who who has twenty four. Really good player. Yeah, so they've got guys that are offensive. Hal has twenty RBIs. Yeah. So yes, they're not worried about next week. They're worried about winning two out of three this winning us getting a sweep this week. So they're, you don't you don't manipulate together. Your... They're in piece together mode for every game. How do we do it? All right, how do we win this game? All right, no, it like I don't think Coach Schlossnagel is at the point where he's going. All right, I can hold this guy. There's a lot of different reasons for that. Most notably, he wants to make the postseason. Yeah. So they've got to get wins where they can get wins. So you can't go, all right, I need to save polish for probably Sunday. Like, dude, can you get me two outs today? All right, you got me two outs. Now how do I go to the next guy? Like, it's piecemeal. It's, it's going to be hectic, and I would imagine throughout the rest of the year there's going to be some big numbers in these games. There's going to be some four-hour games. But that's kind of the way this team is going right now. But Ole Miss, didn't, Ole Miss didn't panic last week when they gave up 19 on the Saturday game against this Auburn team. They said, we're going to come back and we're going to win the series tomorrow. Okay, that's the, that's the, the college baseball mentality that this group is going to have across the street. Whether there's a big number, there's, whether there's an ugly game, we're going to flush that one. We're going to be ready to go with the next game. Well, they're going to have to because I think they're going to they're have to score seven, eight, nine runs quite a bit to win games. Awkward silence. No, I mean, Bronny said there's going to be four-hour. I'm still thinking about him saying there's going to be four-hour games. That's Buddy, there's going to be five- and six-hour games. You know what I recommend, guys, to everybody on the uh, Aggie baseball team, to This is a terrible segue. Just go to <laughs> Millican Reserve and go for a walk in nature. <laughs>
Just go enjoy that nature. Walk around. Go hiking. Just get your mind right, ladies and gentlemen. For the baseball team and everybody listening right there, uh, their mission is to build a uh, healthy community around nature, and they've done that and such a wonderful job doing that. So if you're Schloss or if you're any of the players, just walk in and see that native landscape, the wildlife. You've got uh, all the animals that are out there, you know, deer, you name it. They, they just got such a wonderful, wonderful place out there. You should go check it out. Extensive network of trails. Um, they really want generation after generation to cherish that native landscape. Landscape. They've done such a great job out there. Rabbits, songbirds, turtles, you name it. They're white-tailed deer. That's what they have out there. Plus, you can hike, you can buy a canoe, kayaking, equestrian trails, evening yoga. It is MillicanReserve.com. MillicanReserve.com. You guys know the story of Boys and Men? Motown Philly, baby. Michael Bivens found them from BBD. Look at you know the song. You're from that generation. Did you know BBD? I'm older than all of y'all. Of course I did. Okay. Well, I mean, did you jam it? Yes. All right. Richard, you know about BBD? No. No, No, I didn't think so. Michael Bivens. What's your prerogative is what I'm really asking. Bobby Brown. Over Over his head. Every little step you take, you'll figure it out, Richard. Okay. That's a heater. Every little step you take. (laughs) Yeah, that's a banger. It is Texax Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, the old guys on the panel, and Richard Zane as well. All right, guys, um, I want to read this tweet from Schloss. I got a a text from my buddy Philip who asked me to ask you guys about this. Baseball question. This is from Schloss, by the way, on Twitter. What value does an offensive timeout with no one on base have other than slowing down a game, which we should be all against? He was probably watching a game where he saw that happen and it just came across and he He's trying to speed up games and asking what the value is. I mean, I've seen it happen. It's not often. The only reason that it does happen um, at the collegiate level, I would think, would be to try to throw off the rhythm of a pitcher. If he's got going, through, got two quick ones. Maybe you've got a guy in the bullpen trying to get loose to go out for the next inning. The pitcher comes out and gets two quick outs. Um, so you want to slow down the inning to get your guy in the bullpen ready. Like there's some strategy to it, but I, I, that's about it. Yeah. You know, it's gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. Well, we got two factors here, all right? Uh, last weekend and going forward, LSU's going to play slow, all right? They're going to play slow. They've got they've got issues, and they're and always going to first all the time, no matter who's running the bases. They don't have a catcher that can throw out guys. They're going to play slow. It's like watching the Red Sox and the Yankees play. I just don't get them picking off so much for a team that can't play catch. Exactly, Okay. The other factor is, and I know that they've adjusted to this, is this fake pickoff thing to to restart the pitch clock. Yes. Okay? Drop the pitch, pitch clock, and you're going to have somebody throw in 25 seconds. Now you've taken a 20-second pitch and turned it into a minute or maybe a minute 20 because now they're just like doing this. They, they've already circumvented the rule, so it's not going to work. All right? Get your guy to stay in the box. Let your pitcher pitch. I don't understand why. Like everybody's worried about length of games, speeding up games, and also like stealing signs has been a huge issue for people uh, at, at in professional baseball, right? right? So if you want to eliminate some of this, the catchers wear an earpiece. Why? Why? Why can't the pitchers wear an earpiece? Why not? Yeah. Pitching coach gets on his walkie-talkie, slider away. Yes. We don't even need signs. Do, does anybody complain about the Patriots stealing signs anymore? No, because there are no signs. They're talking to a new guy's ear at quarterback and at middle linebacker. I, I, I mean, there there seems like reasonable ways to speed games up that yeah. are not addressed. I agree with that. And I mean, for every, uh, what's his name, Pedro Baez, you get the pitch for the Dodgers, the human rain delay. 
For every guy you get like that, everybody else is pitching like Bob Gibson, get the ball and go. The way Prager pitches. Yes. And I just think that it's because you had a four-game stretch where it was just incredibly long. Okay? It'll rotate. It'll rotate to the other thing. But I didn't look at the times of Auburn when they played three games last weekend and it was 13-6, to 19-5, and 15-2. to two. And they won a nineteen a game where they scored nineteen. I bet you the times on those aren't aren't real short. If you're coming to Olsen this weekend, bring your sunscreen because you're gonna need to reapply. Yeah, you're gonna be there. You're gonna be there a while probably. Yeah. Once an hour. That's the rule. I just talked to a dermatologist yesterday. All right, let's uh let me get you this A and B text line text from Dan seventy six. This is for the the crew guys. Any uh, SEC or NCAA rules about how often a pitcher can pitch uh rest days or something like that? I don't think I think it's all up so. to managing your pitching staff, but there's no rule like there is in high school. Uh, the rule is what is your reputation as a pitching coach if you start ruining it? Sure, yeah. you start. That's a that's former the head rule. coach in the state that had a yes long yeah. history of doing that, um, and it it caught up to him toward the end of his career. And it didn't catch up to him. He never really got called on it because Rice was winning at a great. That's not right? who I'm talking. I know about. it's not who you're talking about. But we saw Wade Townsend pitch on Tuesdays and then throw on the the weekend. So it is it is teams that, that have to do what they have to do to win games. If you hurt guys, everybody on that great rice rotation got hurt. Okay. The only one that had any kind of success in the big leagues was Umber, right? Yes. So uh, you know, it, it it the reputation is what per you know uh can or cannot you know, Archie. John Stilson begged the A&M coaches to let him pitch in the College World Series, and they wouldn't do it because his agent had had him go get an MRI when they're at the Big 12 tournament in Oklahoma City, and it comes back that there was nothing wrong. Him and his family begged to pitch in the College World Series, and it was like, that's not an option. If you get hurt, we're done. And coaches live with that all the time. And that's that's really the rule is don't ruin your reputation. You won't get pictures. Richard Cole Kaler, how big has he been, the ability to play anywhere in the infield and, and help this team out in, in bunches? And we talked about Austin Bose being an X factor. Cole Kaler is, you know, use the word emerge. That's my buzzword for the for the day. He has he has taken off as that leadoff guy. He's getting on base any way he can. He's jump starting the offense and you know, being on base for those RBI guys like Boast and Minich and Targach and Moss, excuse me for leaving him out, but he's getting on base, he's doing his job, and he has that experience of playing shortstop at a Division One level, and it is vital. It has been such a big piece in the absence of Clyde Harrison defensively, and he has really helped uh, you know, kind of ease the pain of that loss for right now. Yeah, I think the continued trajectory of Cole Kaler offensively has seen the help the resurgence of this offense in the last well, since that U of H game last mm-hmm. Tuesday. Um, you know, I think, too, like we mentioned Jack Moss. Like, this dude, there's guys that can hit, and there's guys that smash. Dude, he smashes everything. Ball's in, ball's away, two strikes, less than two strikes, off speed, fastball, it don't matter. The dude is an elite hitter. And, uh, Richard, I think you texted me the other night. I was like, what a, what a hell of a time for your first home run at A&M was the grand slam in the midweek at, at Rice. Like, that's the one thing we haven't seen is he's got a little juice to him, right? Like, he's he's going to hit some doubles and some home runs. We just haven't seen it yet. This A&M team, the power's starting to come around. Schloss mentioned it. 
Uh, they're starting to play into some ballparks where the weather is helping them a little bit. It hasn't been super cold at Olsen up to this point this year, but it's been a ton of north wind. It's been a ton of north wind. It's, it's been, been some, cold. It's, it's been, been some, pretty cold. There's been a couple of cold games. But I'm talking about for the consistency being cold, but it's a lot of heavy north yeah. wind games. That keeps balls into the ballpark at Olsen. I thought that at the end of the LSU series when, when Coach Loss talked about Logan Britt, you know, that his approach was what we wanted from him. Even though he didn't that it wasn't like he went, you know, eight for twelve on the weekend. But the approach was where we wanted. He swung at the pitches we want him to swing at. He had a couple that, of rockets, yeah. And and then he goes to Rice and hits two home runs. You know, that that is the coaching level that we're getting you comfortable, okay? Swing the bat how we want you to swing it and things will follow. Instant you know, uh, instant coaching impact is these guys are starting to see it. Targotch going the other way, but if you go inside on him, he hits one over the over the uh, the the that weight center at LSU. Looked like his home runs against Missouri. You know, but how? Do, what's the book on him? Let's work him away. We're not going to get inside in his kitchen, but for him to now be able to hit the pitches the other way, now I'm a complete ball player, and that's what they wanted to see. I am, a bunch of these guys. I am optimistic about the offense. Like, Dylan Rock is hitting how we thought Dylan Rock would hit. Austin Boats is coming around. Jack Moss smashes. Like, Cole Kaler's getting on base. It's starting to come around more like the guy we saw in the fall and early on in the spring before the season started. Like, I'm, Brett Minnick has probably been the most improved player since last year that, that's returned. You're starting at Logan Britt. The light's starting to come on. Like, this is more what we thought we were going to get to start the season, David. The biggest question is the bullpen. Well, let's talk about Xavier Lovett. There were some strikes recently. Uh, do we see his role increase, guys? Somebody's going. I mean, somebody's going to have to throw the ball more. Yeah. It, it, I don't know if it's X yet. Um, I don't know. You know, kind of the confidence level the staff has in him to continuously pound the strike zone. But it is an absolute electric right arm. I mean, it's ninety-four to ninety-seven with a good slider. But you know, is it in the strike zone enough to throw him in competitive situations? Coach Law said he threw the slider for strikes twice. You know, so they're they're looking at pitch by pitch on what he's doing and, and what he can give them. Yes, the bullpen is the question. And you had a chance to sweep last week. Uh, one game your bullpen didn't get the job done. The other two they did, and it helped you win games at the end of the uh, so game. Go ahead, Richard. I don't think your bullpen got the job done. No, but I'm, either saying, of those I'm games. saying you still went out in the bottom of the ninth inning. When LSU has a chance to rally and give and get back in the game, and let's have some nine-hour ball games, okay? I still think that they they made the steps. I held a game. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we wrote about it. A&M wasn't even answering opponents, uh, you know, offensively in the next inning, the next at bat to get back in games. They're making steps that I don't feel like that's going to happen anymore. The offense they, they have doing... a chance to answer every inning now, yes. and now the bullpen is starting to make the small incremental steps that I thought I saw from the offense. They have if, if they have a big weekend, if they only have to use a guy one time a weekend, I think this bullpen is going to start showing. Yeah, the offense is doing just enough to give this struggling bullpen a chance to somehow perhaps find three outs. The biggest issue, the biggest issue with this Texas A&M team is what? Closing out games. But more specifically, I'm pitching depth. Yes. 
So to go back to your point, like how does A&M win the series this weekend? Mm -hmm. I think, Scotty, the starting pitching has got to get them into the sixth inning. Like it would help you tremendously if one of those three guys got you in or past the eighth. Got you like that's a dream. That is incredible. Like, but that's what this team needs. He's going to need that. Have we seen that at all? No. Yeah. But no. like they, Mike Dallas had the opportunity, but they 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 pulled him out of the first game of the doubleheader against Pitt. He had the opportunity there to to finish that game. Um, seven innings. Yeah. So get can one of them give you seven? Eight's a lot to ask. Can you get through seven with somebody? Because I, mean, I think that takes another guy's second appearance on the weekend out of out of play, and. You know, or it makes one appearance short enough where you can bring him back. Yeah, it, it, both of those. And I'm talking about Polish and yes. Chris Cortez. And only use Moomin if he wants on the weekend. That has to be your starting pitching that helps your bullpen do that. Yeah. All right, so if you all had to pick one thing and it has to be different you want to see this weekend, you're going with... Uh, uh, no, I'm, no, I'm going with continued competitive toughness in the batter's box. I, I, I just think... That is the by far the overarching theme of the last seven days. That has what has given this team an identity, perhaps, and given this fan base a flicker of hope that this is what we're going to see going forward. It's nothing but toughness, grit, competitive spirit, whatever you want to call it. They've got to latch on to that. Richard? Yeah, scoring more runs than the other team. Okay, I can deal yeah. with that. I like that. I think, Are you kidding? Dude, I wasn't listening, sorry. I was, <laughs> uh, something else has caught my attention work-wise. I apologize. Sorry. Defensively, still not putting your pitching staff in danger. You have played defense at a level that you've, you have been able to help some guys uh, on the pitching staff-wise. If they can play defense like that this weekend, feel at that high level, it, it certainly takes what you don't give those free outs to your opponent – uh, we saw that last week. LSU, their ERA is like three and a half because they're giving up more runs a game than anybody in the league, but they're so bad defensively, they're not earned runs. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. I look at that right now and say, that's a damn lie. But you've got defensively for the Aggies, play at a level to where you don't have Ryan Detmer have an inning where he needs to go get five outs, or Ryan Prager has to go get five outs. That's what I want to see them continue when I have to have something different besides the offense. It's really incredible what they've done defensively. Considering the best defensive shortstop in the league has been hurt for the majority of the season, one of the better defenders at third base in the league has been hurt for the majority yeah. of the season. You're playing at second base who's never played the position before. Like what they've done defensively is pretty remarkable. All right, we've got to end it there. Thank you guys. Appreciate your time. We'll see you next week. Um, actually, I hope we don't see you next week. I hope we see you on Zoom next week. I hope I'm still in New York next week. Oh, yeah, you're going to New York City with Olin Buchanan. Or Olin Buchanan's going with David Nuno to New York City. Well, I'm I think the you're Bronx. all going to New York City with Jamie Murray. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and, and who knows, maybe Billy Lucci. All right, uh, we'll, we'll keep it there. Thanks so much, guys, for the uh, baseball roundtable when we come back around Aguilam. Yeah, we play games, that, that's an advantage. I mean, there's no doubt, but I mean, that doesn't. That's not a tell-all, but at the same time, you know he's done some things. And you can see, I think sometimes if he misses a play or something, the ability to come right back and make another play, I think some of that maturity. All right, Jimbo Fisher breaking it all down yesterday uh, on uh, Max Johnson's experience and the fact that he has played a lot of SEC games. Doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture, 
um, because he says all guys are, are looking good out there. So um, we will uh, continue talking Aggie football when Billy joins us here a little bit later on. We do have Mark Henry. I think he's already in the building, so we'll get to him here after we do Around Aggieland, presented by Norman G. State Bank. Norman G. State Bank, rock-solid banking. Website is normangestatebank.com. Anna Rosa Peterson is with us. Howdy. Yes, we have a lot to get into today. We'll see if we cover it all. But I do want to start out, I know we've covered it a lot, but by recognizing the Aggie basketball team. They're obviously advancing to the NIT semifinals with a 67-52 to win over Wake Forest. They will head to Madison Square Garden on Tuesday for the matchup at March 29th at 8.30 p.m., which will be streamed on ESPN2. Make sure to watch that. And then in women's golf, the team will take on a strong field at the 50th annual Liz Murphy Collegiate Classic Friday through Sunday at the University mm-hmm. of Georgia Golf Course. Play will begin at 7.30 a.m., so it already started this Friday, at the UGA golf course with the Aggies beginning on the 10th tee with the College of Charleston. In baseball, the Aggies open the home portion of their SEC slate when they host the Auburn Tigers for a three-game series on Olsen Field at Bluebell Park. Friday's game tonight is at 6.32 p.m. is the first pitch, followed by games Saturday, tomorrow at 2.02 p.m. and Sunday at 12.02 p.m. And then in men's track and field, the track and field duo, I hope I get these names right, Moida Tell Mapoke and James Smith II advanced to Friday's 400-meter hurdles final, while four Aggies recorded Texas A&M all-time top 12 marks Thursday night at the 94th Clyde Littlefield Texas Relays at Mike A. Myers Stadium. And then in equestrian, the number three Texas A&M equestrian team, which their record is 11 and three, and then five and one in SEC play opens as the top seed in the Southeastern Conference Championships against South Carolina. Their record is 2-9 and nine and then 1-5 and five in SEC play. This begins at 10 a.m., which is today, at the Auburn University Horse Center. And their athletes, Grace Boston and Kisa Lures, were named the Southeastern Conference Riders of the Month for March. The league announced this on Thursday. And then in men's tennis, the number 25 men's tennis team hosts Prairie View at 12 p.m. and number four, Tennessee, at 6 p.m. today for a doubleheader at the Mitchell Tennis Center. And the Aggies enter the match 14-8 and on the season and 3-1 and in league play, while the Panthers are 2-18 and on the year. And the Volunteers are 14-5 and and 2-3 and in conference matches. And then in softball, the team re- resumes Southeastern Conference play this weekend against the Georgia Bulldogs. The game is Friday at 5 p.m. and it will be streamed on SEC Network. Uh, before the Bulldogs and the Aggies wrap up on Sunday at 1 p.m. All right, Anna Rosa, thank you so much. Appreciate that. That is around Aggie land. Appreciate that. All right, so here we got the 10 o'clock hour up ahead. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 